Okay, good morning, everyone. All right, we are picking up our series again called My Life, His Life. And uh, this series is all about uh, understanding that when you become a disciple or a follower of Jesus, learner of Jesus, it's no longer your life to live, but His life to live through you. Okay, My Life, His Life. Today we are focusing in on... uh, My gifts, his gifts. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you have a gift. You have a gift. The truth is, is God has given to everyone in the room, everybody here today. God has given you a gift. And we are going to kind of unpack what it means to have a a gift given by God Um, And what you do with that gift. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 with me this morning. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. The New Living Translation. When you think about gifts and gifts of the Spirit, a lot of times, if you're familiar with the Bible, your mind will go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to go there in a few moments, but today we're going to really focus our energy in Romans chapter 12 and see how Paul unpacks the gifts that God has given to us. And what's interesting about how he lays this out is he doesn't begin with talking about our gifts. He begins with talking about our attitude about the gift. And so here we go. We're going to start. Uh, in verse number three, and the first thing you're going to see is that Paul begins with with this thought. He says, think about yourself. Think of yourself. Here we go. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with, with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. I want to read this part in the middle. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgments. Have you ever seen somebody who was intoxicated, somebody who was drunk, right? Who had this attitude um, that he could take on the world or she could take on the world. You see, when you are intoxicated, when you are drunk, when you are under the influence, when you are high, you have a high view of yourself. You have this elevated sense of yourself. You are intoxicated with yourself and you're at this place where you think, man, I could jump off a building and I could fly. And I know a guy who was intoxicated and tried that once and it didn't work out real well. When you're intoxicated with yourself, right, you get behind the wheel and you do things that you think you're capable of doing, but you're not capable. Are you with me this morning? Okay. when you are intoxicated with yourself, you have this high view. And Paul says this, you have this you think of yourself more highly than you ought. Okay. How many of you have ever, right, had that high view of yourself? Maybe you were that one who was drunk and you've been there, right? Raise your hand. If, right? <laughs> I love how real you guys are. Love that. So you, when you are intoxicated with yourself, you have this high view of yourself. And what Paul does here, he gets right in your face right at the beginning. And he says, get off your high horse. 
He says, get off of this high view of yourself that you have. You're intoxicated with yourself. You think that you're like some special gift to the world that everybody needs to know about, right? And he begins with that. He goes, before you think about your gift, think about yourself correctly. Think about yourself with humility. And he says this, with sober judgment. Sober, you need to detox. Right? You need to dry up that high view of yourself. God has given you a gift. But don't get puffed up about this gift God has given. Some of you are like, you know what? You say, Pastor, I have a gift. I don't even know what that is. We're going to talk about how do you discover that gift here this morning too. Paul begins with this. Think about yourself rightly. What's your attitude about yourself? We're doing some projects around our our home right now, and I've I took out the old electrician's tool belt that I used to wear 25 years ago, and I put it on, and I'm doing some work. And I told Carrie the other day, I said, you know what? I'm not I'm not good at this anymore. I, I don't feel like I'm very good at this anymore. I was struggling with it, and uh, and then I and then I paused, and then I said to her, you know what? Maybe I was never good at this. Maybe I was never, and I just thought I was. How many of you know, when you only know how to do one thing, you think you're the best at it, right? And I think that's what it was. So we have this high view of ourselves. How many of you know somebody who has an incredible gift, but they're intoxicated with it? You know what I'm talking about? They, they are all about the gift and they just have this high view of themselves. And, and I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, the fastest man in the world, Bolt. Okay, some people think he's like intoxicated with himself. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just love watching him run. Uh, in fact, I'd like to go to Jamaica and watch him run, right? I'd love to go. Yeah, let's go on a cruise. Let's go to Jamaica, right? Okay. And then you meet people or you watch people and hear about people like Ben Carson, who has this incredible gift, but he carries himself with such grace and with such humility. And you look at him and you go, I like that guy. Whether you agree with his politics or not, I like I like his humility. I like that spirit. I'm attracted to that. He wrote a book called Gifted Hands, recognizing that God had gifted his hands and his eyes to do things, to see three dimensionally. And one of the greatest neurosurgeons in the world. How many of you know a humble spirit can make a gift beautiful and a prideful spirit can make a gift look ugly? It's how we carry. So Paul says, before we talk about gifts, let's talk about you. Think of yourself with sober judgment. And then he begins to go into this. He says, now you can think about others. Look at verse number four with me. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. So first, think about yourself. Now think about others. He says, you've got to see yourself as part of something that is bigger than you. We have to tell our kids in our home, and I have to tell myself this too. We tell our kids, you're not the only one that lives in this house. We're doing some work on the house. We're down to one bathroom right now. Five of us sharing one bathroom. You find out who's really a Christian and who's not. You know what I'm talking about? You know? 
You'll know there are Christians by their love for one another. And we have to remind each other, you know what? You're not the only one that lives here. Church isn't all about you. And well, the the worship was just right for me. And the message was just right for me. And I got just the right parking spot for me. And which never happens here, by the way. So don't even try. Right. You know, and it's all just perfect for me, me, me. But the Bible doesn't talk about church in the context of me. It talks about in the context of we. It's always about us. It's always about the body with many. Listen, God has given you a very special part. A special function, Paul says, a special gift. But don't make it about your part. Make it about the body. Make it about the whole body of Christ. You've got to see yourself as part of something bigger than you. God gives you a gift, a unique gift, not for you, but for others. So think of yourself rightly. Think of others rightly. And then think of your gift. Think of your gift. Here it is in verse number six. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. For doing certain things well. Now watch this. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy. Speak out with as much faith. As God has given you. If your gift is serving others. Serve them well. If you're a teacher. Teach well. If your gift is to encourage others. Be encouraging. If it is giving. Give generously. If God has given you leadership ability. Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. The first thing that Paul wants us to understand about our gift is that your gift comes from God. Verse six, again, in his grace, in his grace, God has given us. God has given us. I should emphasize that God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So the reason Paul can say, can say, don't think of yourself too highly is because the gift you have was given to you by God. You didn't come up with it. You didn't learn it. You didn't earn it. You didn't go to school for it. You may have developed it, but God gave it to you. He gave you that gift. And so we have no reason to take pride in something that was gifted to us. It was given to us by God. The term gifts here in the Greek is charisma and grace in the Greek is charis. Both have the same word root, which means freely given. Gifts, charisma, that's where we get our word charismatic. Gifts, charisma and grace, charis come from the same word that mean freely given. God has freely given us gifts. God has freely given us grace. Freely given from God. In the New Testament, a gift, charisma, is something given by God, which we could never attain on our own efforts. One person could practice for a lifetime and and never play the piano like Aaron Ott, our pianist. Or play the instruments like any of our musicians. We have, how many of you know we are, are really blessed? We have every Sunday the opportunity to sit under such great gifts, anointed gifts given by God gifts. They weren't born with a guitar in their hand. They developed that gift. But have you know the DNA for that musical ability? God put it there. God placed it there. And you're glad that I'm not trying to excel in something that I'm not gifted at. Right. You with me today? All right. 
So first, he wants us to understand that your gift comes from God. By the way, I think they're called gifts of the Spirit. My gifts, his gifts. He also wants us to understand, Paul here, that you don't choose your spiritual gifts. You don't get to pick and choose what your gift is. Okay, you can't go shopping on Amazon for your spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 describes the gifts even more. Verse number 4, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 in the NIV. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Are you, are you picking up the theme here? By that Spirit, by that Spirit, by that Spirit. To another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing between spirits, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, to still another, the interpretation of tongues. Now watch verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And watch this. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. We don't get to determine what our gift is. And don't fight with God about what gift he's given you. Those of you who have the gift of hospitality wish you could preach. And those of you who preach wish you could be hospitable. Don't come over to my house. You'll never come back, I promise you. If you survive the dog at the front door, you know. That's not my gift. And I'm not sure that my gift is preaching either. Um, and that's not out for vote either. It's... Uh, <laughs> Text your vote in right now. You know. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts just as he determines. Let's look at verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles. Then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. There are a number of other passages in the New Testament that, that reveal gifts as well. Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we have pastors and evangelists in that context. Here you see the rest in this context. So here, I'm just giving you a list. We don't have time to go through every gift, okay? But what I want to talk to you about now is, is how do you discover your gift? How do you discover your gift? Everyone has one. How do you discover it? Your gift can be revealed by the Spirit, or your gift can be recognized by others, okay? It can be revealed by the Spirit. In other words, God can tell you what your gift is, or it can be recognized by others. Others can tell you what your gift is. Revealed by the Spirit is a supernatural revelation. The, uh, Timothy understood what his gift was when the elders laid their hands on him and prayed over him. His gift was revealed by the Spirit at that time. Now, we had a couple weeks ago, we had uh, Pastor James McConnell here on a Wednesday night. 
retired pastor from Northern Ireland. I think he was 79 years old, if I remember right. Is that right? 79, you know, still going strong. And he shared earlier that day how God had given him a gift. And it came by supernatural revelation. He was a teenage boy at the time living in Northern Ireland. And he was running the streets. He was an orphan. And, and he, was, he said his best friend became Jesus. He said, you know, nobody wanted to talk to me but Jesus. So I talked to Jesus. And I just talked to, with Jesus and walked with him. And I lived on the streets and Jesus was my best friend. And, and one day Jesus spoke to me by the Spirit of God. I spoke to him and said, it said, I'm going to give you a gift. And God said, I'm going to give you a gift. And it's going to be the gift of evangelist. And this gift is going to attract many people to me. Many people are going to come to God because of this gift I'm going to give you. And God gave him that gift. And he led one of the greatest revivals in Northern Ireland. And while Pastor James McConnell was with us a few weeks ago, he gave an invitation at the end of the service. And some 40 people got saved that night in that prayer meeting. And was it because he had such a great message? Was it because his notes were all in order? Or was it because God gave him a gift? And he said, that gift is going to attract people and draw people to me. Isn't that awesome? Some of you are going, I want that gift. See, the Spirit gives the gifts just as He determines. You can say, well, you know what? I want, I want to be an evangelist. Well, don't be one until God gives you that gift, until God calls you to be that evangelist. God may have given you the gift of serving, which I think is a gift God has given me. I would much rather serve behind the scenes than serve in front of everybody. But God also gives these callings, right? How many of you know God has the final word? We can't pick which gift is for us. You know, my greatest fear was the fear of public speaking. And God said, that's your gift. (laughs) Does that make any sense? Right? Fear of death is number one. Fear of public speaking is number two. That's the truth. That's how people see it. Your gift can be recognized by others. Walter Payton said this. He said, when you're good at something, you'll tell everybody. But when you're great at something, they'll tell you. When you're good at something, you'll tell everybody. But when you're great at it, when you have a gift, they'll tell you. How can you know what your gift is? Other people will recognize it and they'll say, man, you are great at that. You are so gifted at that. So one thing you can do is you can ask people, hey, What am I gifted at? But don't ask your grandma because grandmas lie. (laughs) They do. It's been proven to be true. Right? Grandma says, man, you're so gifted. You should go on The Voice. You know? (laughs) Listen, don't do it. Go to your music teacher. Ask your music teacher first. Don't do it. (laughs) Have you ever seen that show, America's Got Talent? And you wonder, how did that person get on that show? I mean, it has some great entertainment value, but man, they don't have any talent at all, right? So be careful who you ask, what you're gifted at. You know, moms, have, moms and dads have been, have been known to lie as well. Come on, moms. Come on, dads, right? My child is the most gifted child in the whole school. In fact, they have all the gifts, right? We just think that way about our kids. We just want to believe the best thing about them. And if they get in trouble at school and we get a call from the principal, we go, oh, no, Johnny would never do that. Well, Johnny did it, right? 
See, we do all have a gift, but we don't have all the gifts. All right. God has given us a gift. And sometimes that gift is uh, is recognized over time. You're not born. You're, you're born with the gift, but the gift is revealed, not re, not revealed until later. And oftentimes people will recognize what that gift is. So ask knowledgeable and objective people, what am I gifted at? And ask yourself, what do people ask me to help them with? What do people come to me for? And you will probably find your gift. So whether the spirit reveals your gift or someone recognizes it, it usually happens in a process of time. It usually happens seven feet at a time. Not seven miles at a time, seven feet at a time, one day at a time. For an example of that would be the disciple in uh, Acts chapter 6. His name is Philip. And the, the widows, the Greek widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And, and so the apostles said, we cannot neglect our gift, which is preaching and teaching and prayer. We can't neglect what God has called us to do. Let's find seven men who are filled with the Holy Spirit and ask them to do the kitchen duty. So there was a need in the church and the need was this. The widows are being overlooked in the distribution of food. We need some help serving in the kitchen. Okay, to put it in simple terms. And they chose Philip. They said, Philip, we want you to meet this need. Serve in the kitchen. And so Philip did that. Philip was not an apostle. Philip at that point had no gifting that anybody knew of. But then when you get to Acts chapter 8, that same Philip who was cooking in the kitchen now is known as Philip the evangelist. A big persecution broke out in Jerusalem and the disciples were scattered all over the area. And the Bible says that Philip went to a city in Samaria and he began to preach the gospel in Samaria. And the Bible says that many came to hear him and he drove out evil spirits and he healed the sick and he performed many signs and wonders, which is good news to all of us today, because the signs and wonders don't end with the apostles. Philip was not an apostle. He was a believer. These signs shall follow those that believe. Right. So what happened is, is Philip responded to a need and he just served where the need was. And as he began to serve where the need was, God revealed what his gift was. He was an evangelist. But he didn't start at the city in Samaria with coliseums full of people. He didn't begin there. He began in the kitchen where there was a need. I mean, encourage you. Don't look for a gift. Look for a need. Find a need. Begin to serve. God is looking for a servant's heart. And when he finds a servant's heart, he will reveal the servant's gift. It always starts there. My doorway into ministry was the bathroom ministry. I was a custodian. I cleaned toilets. That's what I did. And to be honest with you, I'd be happy serving. I'd be happy there today. I really believe I would because that is something I can do. This is something I can't do. Are you with me? I am doing something God has called me to do. Perhaps he's gifted me to do, but I am uncomfortable doing. And a lot of times God will put a gift in your life that you're like, you're not, you're not comfortable doing. It's a stretch for you. But my pathway in the ministry, in the call was, was that ministry. And that's what I did. I was, um, I was working at a church and I was also a volunteer in their bus ministry and drove the school bus. 
And that's how it started. And, and God slowly began to reveal a call on my life and the, and the, uh, um, and, and the gifts that he's given to me. But it begins, it begins with, for me, it began with the bathroom ministry and the bus ministry. How many of you can relate to that, right? So find the need and begin to serve in that need and God will then reveal your gift. I'm talking to those of you who are not sure what your gifting might be. So first, Paul says, think about yourself, think about others, think about your gift. And then he goes back to think about others again. Verse number nine, we're going to back to Romans chapter 12, verse nine. He says this, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Keep in mind, this is, this is the tail end of him talking about gifts. At the beginning, he's talking about others. At the end, he's talking about others. God gives you a gift, not for you, but for others. He doesn't give you a gift so you can wear it like a badge. He gives you a gift so you can wear it like a towel and you can serve the body of Christ. He's given you a gift. He's given you everybody in the room. God is making you a 10 at something. And it's not for you. It's not so you can go, I'm a 10. Woo. I'm amazing. He's given you a 10 so you can serve with that 10. He's given you an amazing ability to serve others with that amazing ability. One of the gifts God has given my wife is the gift of giving. Which is great if you're on the receiving end of it. So I come home and and one day I came home and I go, honey, we've been robbed. Somebody came in and stole our furniture. And she goes, no, no, I gave it away. Yeah. And that's a true story. So when we got married... um, uh, I was without work for a couple of weeks and we were without furniture and somebody donated the lumber. My dad did actually. He donated the lumber and and I built um, a, a cherry bedroom set. And we had that bedroom set for years and years and years. And then we discovered there was a, a, a couple here at Glad Tidings who was recently married and they didn't have any bedroom furniture. And Carrie said, we don't need bed furniture. We just need a mattress. That's all we need. We just put it on the floor. We'll be fine. I said, honey, that's your gift, not mine. You know, I said, "Okay, baby, we're going to go with your gift on this one. Obviously, she's not very sentimental. Right. And so we gave it. We gave it away. You know, it's just the way it worked. One day I come home. She goes, she goes, Walt, we're in trouble. I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, well, we got twenty dollars in the checking account. I said, well, what happened? We had more than that. She goes, well, I met somebody at church and she her glasses were broken and falling off her face. And she wrote it. She says, I wrote a check for one hundred and fifty dollars. And I said, go buy some new glasses. I said, honey, that's your gift, not mine. <laughs> and that's just, it comes so easy. But she didn't run around going, hey, everybody, guess what I did? Look what God did through me. Look at this badge. Look at my gift, you know. Look at the sacrifices I'm making with it. Not at all. Not at all. And by the way, I'm really glad. She's not sitting here right now, but I'm, she was the first. Day. I'm really glad she has that gift. Because sometimes I get, I'm on the receiving side of that giving gift. Right? <laughs> All right. So you have a gift and God wants to reveal what that gift is. It's not for you. It's for others. See yourself this morning. I want you to see yourself not as a reservoir, but as a river. 
The Dead Sea is dead because it has an inlet, but it has no outlet. The Sea of Galilee runs, which is full of life, full of fish. The Sea of Galilee flows into the Dead Sea, but it has nowhere to go. All that life that comes into the Dead Sea has no place to go. It has no place to go. The Dead Sea has no marine life. Uh, It has no fish. It has no plants because the mineral and the salt content is so high. The mud, check this out, the mud from the Dead Sea. Ladies, you'll like this because you put mud on your face and all this stuff. The mud from the Dead Sea was used by the Egyptians to mummify their dead. So it had some, I mean, it had so much salt in it. Okay, ladies, don't get any ideas. The Dead Sea used to be called the Stinky Sea. It, it, it stinks so bad. Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. The Dead Sea, check this out, is 417 meters below sea level. It is literally the lowest place on earth, the Dead Sea. See, when we are not serving, check this out. When we're not serving with our gift, we become like that Dead Sea. And we find ourselves at the lowest place. Stinky place. Life flows in place, but no life flows out. The life of God flows in you. But listen, when the life of God has no place to flow out of you, you become dead. You become dead. Jesus described himself like a river. Like a river of living water. He said, I am I am the living water. It's not this reservoir, Jesus. It's this river, Jesus. And we're all called to have this gift and to take the gift God has given and put it in the river. Put it in the river. And here's what I've learned about serving. Serving is not punishment. Oh, I've got to get up early. I've got to serve. I made a commitment. You know, serving is not punishment. Serving is nourishment. Serving is nourishment. Jesus said this. He said, my food. He said, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of the father to finish his work. When you work, when you serve God, God serves you. God feeds you. God nourishes you. When you give, God gives back to you. Are you with me this morning? Serving is not punishment. It's nourishment. It's nourishment. The moment you give, God fills that empty place. Isn't he so good with that? How many of you have found that to be true? And the more you give, the more energy you give, the more energy God gives back to you. If you stay in that John chapter 15 abiding place. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, ministry is not what you can do for God, but what God can do through you. If you get that mixed up, you'll burn out real quick with your gift. It's not your strength. It's not your gift. It's his gift. It's not my life to live. It's not my gift. God, it's your gift. How do you want to use that through me? We're going to close. Romans chapter 12, verse number 11. We're going to look at Paul's final thought about the gift. 
He says this about your gift. Never be lazy. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Say that word enthusiastically. Let's look at it in the NIV. Romans 12, 11 in the NIV. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal. In other words, don't hesitate. Don't quit. Don't show up late. Never be lacking in zeal. And when you get that email from your small group leader, you get that email from your ministry team director. Answer that email. Okay, it's quiet in here now. (laughs) Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. That word fervor literally means keep it to the boiling point. Keep it to the boiling point. Keep your serving to the boiling point. Water is very, very, very hot at 211 degrees. One degree more at 212 degrees, it reaches the boiling point. Those of you who love football will like this. Vince Lombardi, Hall of Fame football coach, said this. He said, inches make champions. Inches make champions. How do you win in the kingdom? Inches make champions. How do you win serving using your gifts by one degree? Move it from very hot to boiling point. I believe that God is speaking to us. And you test this to see if this is what the Spirit of God is speaking to you. I think God has challenged us to bring our serve up to the boiling point. Some of you felt, thought it was punishment to serve. And now you realize it's nourishment. God's going to feed me as I use my gift. God wants us to bring our gift to the boiling point, to that place of fervency once again. Let me ask you this morning, where is your serve? What temperature is your serve right now? Is it cold? Is it off the burner? Or is it on the burner, but it's just lukewarm? Would you consider this morning turning up your serve? Would you consider turning it up to the boiling point? Would you consider using the God-given gift that you have with the right attitude to serve the body of Christ, to serve your brothers and sisters, to serve others? We've got people that are getting up and moving around because we've got Team Link, and they're getting ready to go to Team Link. Here's what I want you to know as we wrap it up. When we serve one another, we are really serving God. How many of you believe that? Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So here we thought it was all about serving one another, serving one another. And yes, it is. But Paul finally concludes it by saying, when you serve others, you are actually serving God. In fact, you can't serve God without serving others. Those who say they serve God but never serve people are serving neither God nor people. They are actually serving themselves. You can say, well, I serve God in my prayer closet. I serve God, you know, uh, watching my my YouTube videos and my Christian television. And I serve God by by my tithe. And, And those things are all, yes, part of serving God. But when I read the New Testament, serving God means I'm serving my brothers and my sisters. 
Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 14. He said, Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And here's where we're going to wrap it up. And our altar call today isn't going to be down up front. Our altar call today is going to be across the hall in room 201, 202, and 203. It's called Team Link. And I want you to pull out the insert in your bulletin this morning, if you would. It's this uh, Team Link insert. It's this maroon color. And on one side, it has all these tables laid out. That's exactly what Team Link looks like this morning. If you walked in there, you'll see this layout of all these different ministry teams. And what you don't see on the card is our outreach teams. They're actually in there too on these high top tables. But anyway, that's how it's laid out. Turn your card over to the white side where it says find a ministry team that fits you. Keep in mind this morning, you may not know what your gift is. You may not know what your gift is. Okay? You don't have to have a you don't have to know what your gift is to serve. Find a need Begin to serve there, and God will reveal your gift, okay? In our kids' ministry, as you'll notice there, the first little circle says, we kids. What are the we kids? Those are the nursery. Those are the infants. All those little babies in our nursery. On Wednesday nights, our prayer meeting up here, down there in our nursery, um, uh, we've got all these babies. For some reason, Wednesday night, we have more babies than we've ever had, and we need five workers to sign up for we kids. That's right, Mike. <laughs> Here's what happens. You preach on sex, and people start having babies. So, um, so thank you for following up on that in a very practical way. Here's, here's another practical thing we can do about it. We can sign up and serve in the nursery on Wednesday nights. Jump down with me to, uh, to our facility. Uh, we've, here's the biggest need right here. Uh, our parking lot ministry, we want to expand our parking lot ministry. So we're looking for, to make it easier for people to move in. At, we were looking for 30 people, 30 ministers to work in our parking ministry. Now, I imagine when you woke up this morning, God spoke to your heart and said, you know what? You have the gift of parking. You have the gift of parking. I don't know that anybody has that gift, but there is, there is a need there that's going to enable us, if we meet that need, that's going to enable us to allow more people to connect with God here on Sunday morning. We also have our transportation ministry, which is our van ministry on Sunday morning. We go all across the city. We pick up people who don't have transportation. So if you could drive one of our vans, we'd love for you. We're looking for eight volunteers for our van ministry. We're looking for 12 volunteers for our shuttle ministry. Some of you have been, you've been dying to be driving the good news shuttle on Sunday mornings. Good news for all people. Our big shuttle that, that transports our volunteers from the hospital over to here. We're looking for eight people who can help us with that. Excuse me, 12 people. Also, we have an outreach to our local jail here, Douglas County Correctional Center. We have Glad Tidings Church services down there at the jail. Some of you have been down there. Some of you have been part of those services. We're good news for all people. We're looking for five ladies and three men to be part of that ministry. Those are just some of the areas where we have some immediate need. We'd love to see you step in and serve. There are a lot of other things you can get involved with and serve. And, um, and what we'd like you to do this morning is take this Team Link card and take it with you to our Team Link. Let them know what ministry you're interested in. 
they'll direct you to a table. You can get more information there. You're not signing your life away, but if you want more information, we'll give it to you. We'll talk with you. We'll pray with you. You can ask about the commitment and sort through which ministry is God for you. Stand up to your feet if you would this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a gift. You have a gift. And what I want to do is I want to pray that God would reveal your gift. I want to pray that that to others would recognize that gift in your life, right? But you don't have to wait to know what your gift is before you serve. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for all those people, everybody in the house that you have given a gift to. Lord, we pray you'd reveal what everybody is a 10 at so they can take that gift. Maybe it's administrative. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's teaching. They can take that gift and use it, God, to serve you and serve your kingdom. Father, reveal the gift, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak. God, help us to recognize the gifts. Help us to value one another. Help us to love one another like family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.